y'all. I'm just so glad I'm saved. I uh, have never been the kind of Christian. I've tried not to be the kind of Christian that I lived in the weeds of life. I, I, want the, I want the bigness of it. I've always wanted to go to what, what are we trying to do? What is the big picture? What are we trying to accomplish? What is this thing all about? Why do we do what we do? And, um, and tonight I, I want to put our present day living in light of eternity. This morning I spoke on heaven, the best word in the Bible. Now I want to speak on another aspect, if you will, of just the bigness of everything that is going on. Life is not confined to this date, in this hour, in this year. We live in eternity. And if mankind could ever understand that, we live in light of eternity. And just because we can't see eternity doesn't mean we're not living in eternity. So when a believer understands that, that the only thing that's keeping us from ascending to that place of eternity is the flesh. Because once this flesh is done and once this flesh dies and goes the way of all flesh, then we start living in eternity without a handicap. The only thing that's keeping us from living this way is the flesh. But I believe that when you take the Bible and everything that it has to say, that all of a sudden your Christian life and my Christian life starts picking up. Go to Revelation chapter 20, and we're going to the very end, Revelation chapter 20. And I, by no means, with the sermon right now, am out to confuse anybody with uh, eschatology. So I'm not the end time. I'm not, that's not my goal. Eschatology is nothing more than the study of the end time. But in order for you, to, I, you and I to understand the bigness of what we're dealing with, when we deal with an almighty God, a holy God, a God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, a God that runs the line of eternity, let's pray and then we're going to look at Revelation 20 and I will give you my title here in just a moment. Heavenly Father, Lord, often I study these verses and often I will go and remind myself, what is this all about? Many times I've gone to Genesis with the Garden of Eden and the perfection and the peace and the tranquility that existed in that garden. The ability for man and woman and you to be in this garden. Then, Lord, with the fall of man and walking all the way through the books and the order that we have them, Lord, I am constantly amazed how that mankind gets themselves into a lot of situations, only to find out that above it all, you are reigning supreme. And God, help us to see that tonight. Bless, watch over us, please. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Revelation chapter 20, you uh, have a time period and if you could go ahead and put that up there, Mike, if you don't mind, and I apologize because I think it's a little bit pixelated, either that or my um, contacts have totally shifted, one of the, age, one of, one of the uh, two. 
You're going to find out that you have the rapture of the believers, the catching away of the believers. Now we're looking at the time frame of Revelation chapter 20. You have the seven-year tribulation, three and a half, three and a half, and uh, the second coming of Christ, the glorious appearing, and do not confuse the rapture with the second coming of Christ. He came to his own in the manger. He comes for his own at the rapture, and he comes with his own at the second coming. At the second coming of Christ, there is a thousand-year period right there. It is called the millennial reign of Christ. This is when he is called King of Kings, and this is when he is called Lord of Lords. There's a reason why that term is used, because on the earth there still will be, and it's a whole study of revelation, those who are friends with Israel will be allowed to retain the, uh, the, uh, the uh, leadership of the countries that they're in. Those who are enemies of Israel are in trouble, and that's all there is to it. That's why he's called King of Kings. There are two covenants found in the Bible, the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant tells them that that land is theirs. The Davidic covenant tells them that that throne, whoever reigns on that throne will come from the line of David, which is none other than Jesus Christ himself. The church has not replaced the nation of Israel. That's very important. Do not spiritualize covenants and promises made to the nation of Israel that the church now gets in on that. The promises made to the church and the promises made to the nation of Israel, they do at different points intersect and intertwine, but they are two totally different things. Please do not fall into this replacement theology that all of a sudden makes the Jewish nation of none effect. He still says, whoever blesses Israel, I will bless, and whoever curses Israel, I will curse. Thumbs up, America. Come on now. Now we come to this place right here, and it's called the millennial reign of Christ. In this millennial reign, and as not to get into the details nor confuse, let's suffice it to say that in Revelation chapter 20, you'll see here in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. Can you go there? Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the keys of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. I love verse 2. Look at it. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. Stop right there. He wanted to make sure that all of us knew we're just not talking about a separate being. We're talking about that old devil and that Satan that back there in the garden coming out of the garden has wreaked havoc on mankind and has made man's life miserable. Teenagers, listen to this. Anytime you get in Satan's world and give in to Satan, ye will make your life miserable. Period. End of sentence. He wanted us to know we're not talking about a second and third. We're talking about the same person. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him. Look at this. That he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So we are talking about the millennial reign of Christ 
that when that time period happens and the second coming of Christ happens, that Christ will touch down on this earth and that this angel, according to the scriptures, absolutely will be bound and he will be, set, he'll be thrown into the bottomless pit. He will be shut up. A seal will be upon him. He'll deceive the nations no more. Look at verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast. If you'll notice on our timeline that in that seven years of tribulation, that there will be believers that have come to know Jesus Christ, that they will not, they will not compromise their Savior. Oh, may we have believers that today would not compromise their Savior. Let me tell you that these people, oh, don't you love this? And the Word of God has not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither have received his marks upon their forehead or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, the explanation of those last two verses we will get into at a different time. But for the sake of the sermon tonight, I want us to notice that there is this thousand years that Satan is in a bottomless pit. He is bound with chains. He is, a seal is set upon him. He's not getting out. Deanna was showing me, I was dropping off Blake for her, for his birthday. And, um, and she was uh, showing me a wasp uh, that, was, that was trapped in this little bitty, little bitty container. And that wasp is just walking around and that wasp is trying to get out and, and she's saving it to grow it as a pet. And so it was walking around. And, uh, and, and can I tell you something? For a thousand years... With the only exception, not only is he in a confined space, but he can't move. No more walking around for him. And the Bible tells us that there will be no deception. Now, during that thousand years, Christ is reigning. So what is society like? We're not, we're not talking about spiritualizing. He's literally going to reign. Y'all listen to this. He's coming back. I mean, he's coming back. Watch this. He's going to put his feet on the earth. Coming back. And every godless nation that right now hates Israel, let me tell you something. They're in trouble when he comes back. Don't you love that? When he reigns. So what will society be like? Go to Isaiah chapter 11. And I don't know if you love this kind of stuff. I love this kind of stuff. Isaiah chapter 11. In Isaiah chapter 11, you're going to find out what society will be like. Let's just start in verse number 1. 
Isaiah chapter 11 and verse number 1. And then I'm going to leave you with a simple thought, and then we're going to depart. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, and shall slay the wicked, and the righteous shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reign. This is what's going to happen when he touches down, he absolutely will create a society and he'll have to take care of some things, but when he takes care of some things, then from the next verse you're going to find out how tranquil and how peaceful this society will be. Look at 6, the wolf shall also dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Woo! When he reigns. Natural enemies in the animal kingdom become friends. When he reigns, we go back to a Garden of Eden state for a thousand years when he reigns. When he reigns. And here's what I want to get to. Our children are safe. When he reigns. That, that's where I want to be at right now. And that's what I want to leave you with. When he reigns. The child that is being weaned, when he reigns, can crawl to the edge of where the serpents play and can fall into the pit where the serpents are and nothing happens. When he reigns, a child will be able to walk into a field and take one of the big five. Josh and I have seen one of the big five. We've seen the lion with its mane lay in the fields there in Africa. And we have seen it just lick its paw and lick its paw and then raise that head from among those weeds. And as they just sit there and raise that head and with those steely eyes look at us. And then in the quietness of the vehicle, I ask our driver, what do we do? If he leaps toward us, and the next question I have for you, is he really that quick? And that driver was like, one, that's why I have the vehicle running. Two, he 
he is that quick. And right now he's just staring at you, but do not let his cuteness cause you to think that you can walk up to him and pet him. Not so when he reigns. Not so. Not so. The hippopotamus, if you've ever seen a hippo up close, and I don't mean in the zoo. I mean a hippo in its natural habitat. Where we could get close to the lion, we could not get close to the hippo. And I did not understand that. The giraffe, unassuming, but a huge creature. And when we were over there and we went on that safari, I was amazed at how big these things were. And then all of a sudden, trees as, 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 as maybe as round as these pillars, if not two and three times, trees started swaying as the elephants came running through the bush. And you're thinking to yourself, in, oh my, what, we are in trouble. Because if those things turn toward us, no, no, y'all. But in his reign, don't you love that? The thing I want to go to tonight is this. In his reign, a child will be able to play with the deadliest animal known to man with poison that at one bite, you're done. A child will be able to go into a field and take the biggest of animals and lead them. But I hate to tell you this. Not now. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Not now. We're not living in the millennial reign. And ladies and gentlemen, you just cannot let the children play wherever they want to play. You cannot let the children go anywhere they want to go. You cannot let the children interact with things and trust them. You see, I'm a firm believer that it's not my child I distrust. And parents, if you'll switch it around, it's not my child I distrust. It is society that I do not trust. Because you see, the prince and power of the air still controls the information flowing at the eyes and at the ears of our children, and we cannot afford to be absentee during this time. We cannot afford to let them listen to anything they want to listen to unless it's been filtered through the Word of God. You can no longer let the, the TV set babysit the children and just say it's a good channel. Those are good people because when I watched it, when you watched it, it was 1961. It was black and white and at least we had some semblance of morals but not now. Not now. Not now. The child will be able to crawl up to where the serpents play. He can put his hand into the den of serpents. And pick them up and play with them. I'm afraid that we trust the world too much. 
And I think the devil is smart. Please listen to this, parents, no matter how young you are. I think the devil has brought pride into the heart and into the mind of a parent to where we truly think we know all and we truly think that we can control all and that because in our presence they smile and behave, that that's how they act outside of our presence. Oh, you remember this. That the devil is constantly improving his craft not to destroy you, but to destroy the children. I would admonish you. I would tell you that stop trusting the rating system of this world. Stop looking at the world's rating system and say, well, E is for everyone, so I guess the world knows what they're talking about, that everyone can play this game. Listen to this. That's foolishness because you're letting Satan grade his evil to dumb us down and what? Deceive. Did you hear that? He will deceive no more. And right now we are living in the Laodicean, not just to where this is a church age, but it's a stage that Christians get themselves into to where they let the laity, they let the commoners talk about spiritual things. God already wrote a book about spiritual things, and he's told us that he's dangerous. Did not Paul tell us, marvel not, don't be shocked when he's turned himself into an angel of light. Unfettered access to the world wide web will produce in a teenager an addict to some vice. Please don't be shocked. If your teenagers access bad sites because the devil's smart, I would tell every parent that their son or daughter has a cell phone, that I would restrict that thing down so tight. And our technology in these days can restrict down to a finite thing. I'm not trying to meddle in your world, but neither am I going to stand by and let people think that you can fool with the prince and power of this air, of this world. He is not bound yet. Do you understand? He's loose. He's got his devils. They are walking around. They are seeking whom they may devour. They are waiting at every turn. Every new technology that's rolled out, every new iPad that's rolled out, every new update that's rolled out, it is the devil's way of finding another loophole around Christians who set up to keep the devil out. It has always been by design. It has always been one step ahead. 
of the innocent. Do you know why this virus is such a scare? Because we've not built an immune system to this virus. Do you know why there are past viruses that we no longer, somebody brought up, that we no longer have the, we, we no longer worry about that? We just go down and get the antidote and take it? Because we understand that that virus caused us to catch up and make an a, a antidote to give to help the virus calm down. This thing's scary, and they're asking for social distancing. You want to know why? Because they're trying to slow down this, this interaction to where the commune, the commune, and the, and, and, and the society doesn't spread it quicker than they can find the solution. But once they find the solution, ladies and gentlemen, a year from now, it'll be like the H1N1. It'll be like everything else. They have an antidote for it, but they don't have one right now. And that's what the devil does. He stays one step ahead of what you know and what you can say no to. And he's rolling out something else. And he's rolling out something else. And he's rolling out something else only to destroy the kids. But God's way ahead of them. way ahead of them. Would you please take the word and would you go to Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. Titus 2 and verse 11. Remember that I told you about them, them verses I love? If somebody's keeping track of all the verses pastor loves, put this one on the list. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the what please? Grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Where? In this present world. I mean, I mean I'm talking March 15, 2020. This present world. You see, God is not evolving and God is not panicked when all of a sudden the viruses of hell break loose on the believers in this world. The, the, God's not panicked because he's already been five steps ahead of whatever the devil can dish out. It's called the grace of God. And when we don't read our Bible and we don't stay in tune with the things of God and we don't give God everything that we have, we become susceptible. Our immune system is down to all the evil that God that the devil puts on us. But oh, when you walk with him and you talk with him and you deny ungodly lust and you deny the, the worldly lust, then all of a sudden you're in a great position of not catching all the evil. I'm afraid people treat the virus of the devil like some people are treating this virus. Do you know there are three groups of people that look at the virus we're going through? The one group are people who are so immobilized with fear that they've not left the house since President Trump has declared an emergency. Then there is the other group that they on purpose to prove they won't catch it do stupid things. Can I say stupid in the house of God? I know in the Spanish world I said stupid and the interpreter went, I ain't saying that one. So you have this end that it's like, I just don't think I can leave the house. You have people at this end that say, oh, I won't get it, let me not take a 
bath for five years. Blow my nose in my hand. Shake hands with everybody. Put dollar bills you get from the bank in your mouth while you count the rest. Newsflash, just because it comes from the bank doesn't mean it's clean. Sorry, you bank tellers. Sorry about that, Teresa. <laughs> because you know what they were doing it before you put it in their, your mouth? They put it in their mouth counting money. Amen. But then you have these people that are right in the middle that says this. Yes, the virus is real. And yes, it can kill you. But I, to survive this virus, am going to take practical steps. Wash my hands. Elbow people as high. If they don't want the elbow, hip them. I, I don't know what you want to do. Or give a high five with the feet. I, I don't know. <laughs> Brother Hintermeister, I agree. Or just boom, right on top of their head. Amen. And, and there are those of us, and I will include us because we're the perfect ones. There are those who hand sanitizer. Because they've gone to some website and they've read what the CDC says and they've looked at what everybody says. Okay, let's follow these steps. Listen to me. The devil is pumping out a virus quicker than man's mind can keep up. But all you do is read the instructions of this book right here. And as long as you sanitize and sanctify according to the pages of this word, guess what? You just might make it to heaven without having disgraced the Lord. It's bigger than the why. I'll tell you how big it is. The devil's out to destroy us. And one day we will reign and we will rule. Not now. And right now, we cannot play where the serpent abides. May all of us be so convicted right now. If you're a parent, I would contact your cellular and I would go down and see him and I would say, I have a son. I have a daughter. I feel like as a parent, they need a cell phone. But I would like to cut all data. I would like to restrict the numbers because if after all, it's all about family and emergency then I would restrict every phone number to that of your family for an emergency. To let a young person disappear into the darkness with unfettered access is to play next to the hole where the serpents live. Come on, men. How many of you men would agree? Just say amen. This is not the time to get pious, self-righteous. It's hard enough for a 52-year-old to live in this world. And I'm telling you, I don't know how you young men make it with such the wickedness that is out there. But my hat's off to you for being in the house of God. You inspire me. But I think we need to kind of 
get back in the fight. It's not just cell phones. It's laptops. It's iPads. It's the TV. And I'm not here to detail out exactly what should or be shouldn't because you've got a Holy Ghost on the inside. And I'm afraid we don't walk close enough with him to where he says, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You, you shouldn't be doing that. You, you shouldn't be watching that. When are we going to fall on our knees? Not because of what the preacher said behind the pulpit, but because of what the Holy Ghost of God said on the inside. And may there be a revival among our families, not only in this church, but everybody who's watching and may be listening at some point down the road. May every parent go home. And may we look at every inline to our homes and to our worlds. And may we say, one day, this will not be a problem, but not now. Not now. Would you turn with me, if you will, to one final verse and I'm done. 2 Timothy 2.19. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 19. Let's back up to verse 14 to keep it in context. Of these things, put them in remembrance. Of what things? Go back to verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him him put the next verse in context of the millennial reign if we suffer we shall also what please reign with him if we deny him he also will deny us that's not a losing of salvation If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. I love this phrase. He cannot deny himself. Then he says, of these things, the things we just read, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no prophets, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their words will eat at doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Look at this. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from what? Can I ask you a question? If you right now could stand and confess, Jesus is my Savior. 
you know what the word says? That the Lord looks down and he knows which ones are his. That's a whole nother sermon. You can fool me. But if I could be so, I, I am not. But God in heaven's looking down and he, yep, that one's mine. That one's mine. That one's not mine. That one's mine. Yep, that one's mine. And it could be two things. One, that if you're his, you're playing too close to the hole. And he says this, if you carry my name, then get away from that which put me on the cross. Get away. And maybe the reason you can't get away is because you have no power to get away. Which brings us back to the salvation question. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not here to tell you anything other than this. There is coming, put it back up there, Brother Mike. There is coming a millennial reign. There is coming that garden-like society. He's going to reign. The devil will be a non-factor. But that's not now. And I will tell you that, ladies and gentlemen, I think we all need to go back and take a look at how close we're playing to where the devil lives. Parents, exercise your parental right to go through everything your child has. And if it's not honoring to the Lord, get rid of it. But I will end with this. Children, young adults still living at home, thank God you have a mom and dad who love you enough to tell you straight up that doesn't honor the Lord. And parents, don't tie it to disappoint you. This has nothing to do with you. This has everything to do with this. That does not honor the Lord. I will end with this illustration. Deanna's always had a soft heart. She's 30. She's, she is uh, in her third decade of loving life. And um, I was struggling one day with discipline with Deanna. She was probably about five years old, six years old. I read a couple of books. I thought technique was the way you discipline. Um, Kelly and I made up our mind uh, years and years ago that we would only give our children a certain number of swats. They would not be endless. They would not be at the, at the uh, they would not be tied to how I felt at the moment. They would be a certain number. The kids knew growing up what that certain number was. Only one time did I have to get to that number with each of them. But I was struggling. Miss Kelly will tell you, Deanna was a tough one those first couple of years. She was tough. Kelly and I literally thought we were just like, what are we doing wrong? I mean, wouldn't stand still for discipline, would scream, 
and I'm not putting you under the, she would, she would just be a wild banshee. Josh, you probably have experienced that at some time, yeah, yeah. I would come home and Kelly would be sitting in the floor crying and she'd be like, Bob, when I go to discipline, I can't do it. I have to be doing something wrong. And, and as a young parents, we were just like, wow, what, what are we not doing? What, what is, where's the disconnect? And one day, out of many of days during that time, she needed a, a spanking. And so I sent her to her room. But I knew how it was going to go. I just knew. The turning point in discipline in Deanna's life and me as a parent, it was the day I was so brokenhearted. Not at what she did, but how do you, how do you get into a five and six-year-old? This is not right. Went into her room and, and I walk in there and, and she's sitting on the bed and, and she is crying because she knows what's about to come. And then I just sat down next to her. Little girl, she's dangling her feet off the end of that bed. And I said, Deanna, your daddy and your mommy love the Lord. And when your mommy and daddy do wrong, the Lord's not happy with us. And that breaks our heart. I said, Deanna, when you do wrong, Jesus is very sad. Something happened that day to where her tears went from tears of, I'm going to get a whipping, to tears of, I've hurt Jesus. I've hurt Jesus. That was the turning point. For whatever reason, God that day allowed her to grasp the sense of self-recognition that what I've just done has not hurt my father and mother only, but it has hurt the Savior. And ladies and gentlemen, you know where we need to live? Is that when we wake up any day of our life and realize we're too close, that we should not wait on the preacher to preach on it. We should not wait on somebody to bring it to our attention. We should be walking so close with the Lord that we understand we carry his name. If I were to take what you listen to and what you watch in your conversation and I were to put it on the screen, would we have to bow our head in shame? None of us are perfect. Please, I'm not saying that you're living a perfect life. I am saying you're, you live a sensitive life, that you have your senses exercised to discern Hebrews 6 excuse me Hebrews 5 have your senses exercised to discern good and evil one day it's going to be a glorious day is it not it's going to be a glorious day but it's not now and unfortunately we trust too much do not trust do not trust this world. Because behind every smile 
is the agenda of the devil. Filter everything you do through those, that word. Filter it through prayer. Filter it through patience. Filter it through temperance. When somebody says, oh, I want to get that and I need that, then you say, let's talk about it in six months. Six months. Yeah. Six months. You run your home the way God leads you to run your home. But I think it's a pastor's responsibility to tell you, here's what the word says. And there is danger out there. And don't be shocked. If poison enters the bloodstream of your children and comes out in actions that disgrace not only you as a family, everything is to be filtered through the word. Heavenly Father, Lord, may this night be a night